1: Log Talk Radio. Ah.
2: And we are in the building, ladies and gentlemen. It is the American Idiots podcast here on a weird weather Monday here in the state of Arkansas. As It's about 80 degrees. Everybody's in flip-flops here about seven days out of Christmas. But uh, my name is Brad Hicks, so joined, by, as always, by Miss Lisa O'Brien and uh, Sean Casper. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing great, Hey Very
2: well, thanks. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, that we are seven days away from uh, Christmas and we are dealing with what feels to be spring
1: weather?
0: That's Arkansas. That's what happened.
1: I'm in Louisiana. That's normal.
2: (laughs) The mosquitoes are out in uh, full effect. But uh, going through the news real quick. Obviously, a story that we are following here, Uh, the fire chief says that over 100 people have been transported to the hospital, and three are dead after an Amtrak train jumped the tracks. Uh, We are going to also talk about Sarah Palin's son being charged with assaulting his father. Donald Trump touts infrastructure fix after the Amtrak crash. So there's Donald Trump playing politics again in the face of a national tragedy here in the United States. But the big part of the show that we're going to start off with tonight is something that's been talked about over the course of the last few days, and that is net neutrality. And we are joined by the Deputy Director of the Free Press, the website www.battleforthenet.com, and this is Ms. Jessica Gonzalez. Are you with us, ma'am? I'm here. Hello. How are you doing this evening?
3: I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
2: Well, we do appreciate you for coming on. Sean, you've – we've talked about net neutrality over the last couple days, especially after the Trump administration and the FCC have done what they've done. So, Sean, if you want to go ahead and start everything off, the floor is
0: yours, sir. All right. Uh, Well, you know, over the last few weeks – you know, this has been going on for a few years, actually, but the last few weeks it's really heated up. The FCC under this current administration has gone ahead and, you know, pulled the trigger to – you know, in net neutrality and there are a lot of people debating whether or not this is a good thing, the pros and the cons. And just like anything with this administration, I am going to side, uh, you know, with a little guy and say that, you know, net neutrality is needed. We, we, we need to have this. So everybody has access to, uh, you know, the internet to be able to do things like what we do here on blog talk radio um, without the net neutrality. I believe that the ISP providers are going to be able to, you know, charge the Internet like they do the cable. And, you know, a lot of people like myself have cut the cord, especially recently, to get away from the high prices of the cable companies and everything. And now it looks like they're just going to be sucked right back into that kind of cycle. Uh, Ms. Jessica, could you go ahead and explain what's actually going on?
3: Sure. Well, I think you're absolutely right, first of all, that if we don't uh, get a handle on the ISPs, they're going to do whatever it is that's in the best interest of their bottom line, not in the best interest of their consumers. And, in fact, they've said as much. Uh, we've seen Verizon, for instance, admit in open court that but for net neutrality rules, they would pursue pursue deals where they would create fast lanes for rich companies that can pay more to reach audience or reach customers at a faster pace and put the little guys in the slow lane. So what this really is is about who gets to control your Internet experience. I don't know about you, but in my neighborhood, there's only one, maybe two Internet um, options for most folks. And so we can't just vote with our feet if we don't like what our Internet provider is doing. Most of us are stuck with what we've got. And so it's really important that we have these basic consumer protections on the Internet, net neutrality. And what those rules have done historically is ensure that our Internet service providers can't block our access to certain content, can't throttle or slow down our access to certain content, and can't engage in what's called paid prioritization, where they make special deals where the big guys go fast and the rest of us go slow. And what the FCC did last week on the 14th, was repeal those rules and advocate its responsibility to protect consumers online. Along with repealing the net neutrality rules, they also repealed um, their Title to authority to pro- protect consumers on the Internet. So it's a really troubling move. Um, over 83% of Americans support net neutrality, Outside of the very narrow confines of the Washington, D.C. Beltway, you have broad bipartisan support for net neutrality. Republicans, Democrats, independents, we understand what it's like to be frustrated with our Internet service providers and receive subpar service. And we want to make sure that they're held accountable to us. But inside the Beltway, this has become a partisan issue, uh, deep-pocketed lobbyists in the state. Um, in the Internet service provision industry have spent millions um, trying to impact lawmakers. And the three Republicans on the commission, led by Trump appointee, FCC Chairman Ajit Pai, have decided to roll back these very basic protections.
0: Now, um, going, going to the vote and, and how this affects everybody – Uh, If if most people remember when the internet first came out that are listening to the show, you know, the internet was kind of like this giant billboard. And we all had dial-up. And most of us went through companies like AOL. And, you know, the internet was extremely slow. You couldn't watch videos. It took forever for pages to download. Um, it, it, It was just you know, we didn't know any better, but if we went back to those days, which could possibly happen with this FCC ruling, um, it's going to be, you know, th- these millennials, these, these kids that, that don't know the difference, they're really going to be in an uproar over this. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that they can do about it. What, what is there anything that we can do right now?
3: We've seen how powerful It is when people stand up, when they protest, when they call their elected officials, and particularly at this stage, their U.S. senators and U.S. um, representatives, and let them know that they want Title II net neutrality and let them know that you want the Congress Mm -hmm. to undo what the FCC has done. We've seen so many uh, members of Congress get engaged and become net neutrality champs because they're hearing from thousands and thousands of their constituents every day. It's just been a complete game changer. So there, there is going to be what's called a resolution of disapproval, um, which is a mechanism that Congress can use to undo what the FCC has just done. And so the Free Press Action Fund is supporting this resolution of disapproval and asking people to call their members of Congress this is the very best way that members of Congress can show where they stand on net neutrality and how they're going to protect our Internet freedom. The other, the other thing that's happening is that free press will be suing the FCC. This, um, this order is on very shaky legal grounds, and we think we have a really good chance of winning in court.
0: Then there have been several other lawsuits already filed recently as well, correct? <laughs>
3: We're hearing we're hearing that um, there's about 20 state attorney general who are going to file. There's a lot of um, consumer advocacy organizations that are going to file, and um, yeah, I mean I can't even keep track of everyone who said they're going to sue, but I expect um, I expect there's a lot of legal heat coming the FCC's way because this is a very very unpopular decision. And it's Gonzalez. <laughs>
2: I was I was yeah. curious, and so I to interrupt you, but I was I at the uh, I at your website, battleforthenet.com, dot com, and I'm actually going through this scoreboard here that's uh, presented on your website. hmm And I'm just curious now. I'm looking, and uh, I have to get back up to the top, uh, but there's a, a team Internet now. I'm assuming these are all the members of Congress who've come out against the FCC's plan. Yeah. So what? So what
3: team? Internet is, is it's actually, Team Internet is the people who want to get involved. And so you can go to this battleforthenet.com, which is run jointly by Free Press Action Fund, Demand Progress, and Fight for the Future. And you can sign up to become a member of Team Internet. And this can involve as much or as little as you have time for. But it essentially gets folks engaged in
4: practice or
3: calls to Congress or whatever you have to give. And so this Team Internet is really the people, and on the scoreboard we have a list of um, members and and where they stand on net neutrality.
2: Sean, if you if you get a chance to to look that up at some point, I mean the the list of uh, those in I'm assuming favor of, of Team Internet is absolutely astounding, a uh, who's who what? of congressmen here.
0: Oh. I looked at it today, and I actually signed up and uh, uh, called the to Congress today to, uh, to to you know voice my opinion about that. I didn't get through. I'm going to keep trying, but you know uh, that that's another thing that everybody needs to do is you know if you don't know who your local congressmen and representatives are, you know get on the horn, the internet, use your smartphone, find out who they are, and go ahead and you know talk to these people, leave a message, let them know what's going on because. You know, again, if you've cut the cord with cable, you know, I was paying about 160 a month, you know, for my basic service and, you know, what few channels that I got. And it just didn't make sense to have that. I, I got one television in my home. I'm a rarity in, you know, American society. But, you know, I got 300 channels. I can't watch anything. There's never anything on. So, you know, again, I went to streaming. And I got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, different things like that. If they get their way they will charge me, you know, for my ISP uh, and then they'll put everything in the packages. You know, that's how I, it's been described online. So that, you know, if you like social media, you'll have to pay, you know, your ISP fee, say it's $29 a month and then a uh, social network fee for say another, you know, $5.99. And then if you like sports, there's another charge. That'll be like six ninety nine. If you like news, uh local news, Maybe it's a uh, five ninety nine, then international news could be ten ninety nine. I mean they can charge whatever they want and then the next thing you know, you're looking at a bill, you know, for your cell phone or through your carrier. Uh I have Uverse here in uh, Arkansas, which is great, but you know, I could be paying anywhere between, you know, a hundred to three hundred dollars a month, depending on what I want, if they do package it that way. And that's the danger that we're looking at right now. Uh, just financially. Let alone what they can do to actually, you know, uh, censor the type of information that comes out to you, and that's that's what I'm really against. I don't want them to be able to censor anything. Right now, the internet is open and free, and people can put anything that they want out there, and that's a great thing, you know. Um, But it's also, you know, a dangerous thing if they are able to censor it, and especially with this administration trying to push their policies, trying to push their type of. you know, what they call real news out there to everybody and trying to stop what they call fake news. And we, none of us want that. I don't think.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think you raise a good point that, that sure. You might still be able to get some Netflix, but what happens to this station or this, um, excuse me, this show, this podcast, if the, the open internet rules are not there to protect it. I think, you know, how, this is what I'm really interested in is how do little guys not just how do end users access content, but how do independent content creators, small business people, um, people who haven't traditionally had a lot of voice or access to audience, who are making a living online, who are telling their stories, who are sharing local news and information, which is so lacking in our in our um, consolidated media system you know how are how are we finding audience how are nonprofits how are folks who are and organizing justice, finding audience when we're stuck in the slow lane and we don't have the money to get out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because it's like, you know, when when you look at the history of the Internet, it was created, you know, by the government, through the military, through colleges, and there was a net neutrality then. They understood that we needed net neutrality. And all the great things that we've been able to accomplish with the Internet over the last, you know, 35 years – It's just amazing what we can do, and and the way that we can share information is is absolutely fabulous. I just love that, that I can get on to my smartphone and find out anything about anything in the world, and now I'm in danger of losing that capability, and I don't want that at all. I don't think anybody does.
3: No, except, you know, I'm looking here on the Battle for the Net site, and I see that – Neither of the Arkansas senators, uh, Boozman or Cotton, uh, have stood up for net neutrality. You also have um, four representatives, um, Congressman Womack, uh, Congressman Westerman, Congressman Crawford, and Congressman Hill, who have not come out in favor of net neutrality. So folks in Arkansas, your, you know, your calls and messages to these, to these guys can really make a difference.
0: Well, oh, we hope so. I mean we are in the land of Walmart and they do rule Arkansas and these senators, you know, they're paid by their lobbyists and that's it's all about big business here. A lot of people think we're a backward state and that, you know, everybody's a hillbilly and redneck. There are a lot of Fortune five hundred companies in the state. They make a lot of money. Billions of dollars. And
1: unfortunately,
0: mm-hmm. and- Cotton and Boozman are two of the worst as far as trying to protect, you know, corporate interests over the people. Yep.
3: Well, I, I, my in-laws are in uh, the rural south, and, you know, I know for them that neutrality is really important, and so I'd hope they'd listen to constituents because especially when you're not in a major city center, um, that access to information is so critical. You have fewer choices for Internet access. And so it becomes all the more important that you have members of Congress and senators who are willing to stand up and protect you. So, I, you know, I, I've seen in the past two weeks with people coming out, 700 protests around the country and, you know, 24 million comments that went into the FCC about this issue. This is the most commented on proceeding in the history of the FCC. It got more comments than Janet Jackson's Nibblegate <laughs> back in the day. Uh, and what we've seen is actual Republicans who we never thought would come out and fight for net neutrality saying that they support net neutrality uh, because they're, you know, getting up 8,000 calls a day from their constituents. So I've actually had an, uh, a change of heart uh, in thinking that maybe maybe anything is possible in an environment where people are paying attention and holding their elected officials
0: accountable. Now, do you think that's a root cause of this, is that people just haven't been paying attention?
3: I've seen, as so I've been working on this for about 10 years, and I've seen a very deliberate campaign from the Internet service providers to make this seem like it's more complicated than it actually is. And, and they really were able is. to keep... It, it's really not. It's about who gets to control your Internet experience, you or your ISP. And they've tried to that to keep this out of the public. They try to make it wonky. They love it when people like me talk about Good, get the lawyers out there because no one can understand them and it, it becomes incomprehensible but really it's a simple issue. Who gets to control your internet experience and um, the ISPs have worked really hard and invested millions upon millions of millions of dollars to make this seem complicated and now they're really in trouble and I think they're scared.
0: Now if if they aren't able to get rid of this and we don't get to keep net neutrality, is this something that a lot of these, you know, huge companies are going to just split the switch overnight? Or do you think it'll be a gradual, you know, pacing to where they get to where they were with the cable companies?
3: I think they have to be careful uh, I think they will. They they're already making plans on how they they maximize their bottom line profit. That's their job. That's you know that's what Wall Street dictates that they do, right? But because there has been such massive public attention to this issue, I don't think they're going to just start blocking access the day after the rules get repealed. And it's going to take a little while. There's lots of paperwork that has to be completed before the the repeal takes effect. And um, but I think it would be unwise for them to immediately just flip a switch. I think what you'll see is a much more um, sneaky <laughs> attempt to evade the the rules, or you know, something that you might not even notice at first, or that folks who aren't um, who aren't engineers might not notice. But I suspect we'll start to see rather quickly various schemes to cableize the internet
2: Uh, I was going to say Lisa is uh, probably our legal analyst for the show and she makes the show way more intelligent than me and Sean could ever do Um, but I was going (laughs) to ask you know Lisa you've done a lot of study uh, on net neutrality from a legal perspective you know
1: what kind of stance do you take on it Well. (laughs) You know, I, I don't. I did this purely looking at the FCC's rulings, past and present, on the issue of open internet and net neutrality. There are a couple things. First of all, Sean, you made a comment about going back to uh, dial-up modem speed. Yes. The dial-up modem speed was so poor because that was the best technology at the time. Yes. Our technology has improved. DSL broadband were either not available or were very expensive. That's not the case today.
0: Well, I do understand Uh, that, but they throttle the Internet and slow people down, and that's the the, danger. The
1: the problem is, in 2010, the FCC addressed open Internet. They put in place no blocking and no discrimination and transparency rules. That was challenged by a telephone provider uh, and the DC circuit court found that FCC could not enact common carrier style regulation on information services. That brings us into 2015 when the uh, FCC during the Obama administration Someone read that decision and said, hey, we'll make them all Title II common carriers. And that was the 2015 legislation that was recently repealed, or not 23 rulemaking that was repealed by the FCC. Um, I would ask people, do you really want the federal government bureaucracy in control of your Internet? I would. that's what the the regulations of a common carrier would end up doing.
0: That's exactly what I would want because they're going to protect everyone with equity.
1: But it doesn't necessarily protect everyone with equity. It makes it more difficult for small providers of broadband in rural and underserved areas from expanding their businesses because now they're regulated as a common carrier They have to go to the FCC every time they want to do something new. Gotcha.
0: Well, nothing
1: is. And I want to, there's one thing I do want to say. The FCC, Chairman Pai, and the commissioners, uh, Mr. O'Reilly and Mr. Carr, they're not against open Internet. They're just against the heavy handed common carrier regulation of the Internet that has historically been classified as a uh, an information service not a common carrier.
5: Well, and Sean
1: difference.
5: Sean give. Uh, I want Miss Gonzalez to go ahead and address some of those things that uh Miss O'Brien just said right there. Uh Jessica, can you address some of those things that uh she was saying right there?
3: Sure. So the First, the three commissioners, they actually didn't just vote to repeal the Title II Common Carrier Classification. They also voted to repeal the rules against blocking, the rules against throttling, and the rules against paid prioritization. So, in fact, their vote last week demonstrates that they do not support net neutrality and that this isn't just a fight about how we categorize Internet service providers. Um, the truth is, since the big, you know there were common carrier type regulations in place at the birth of the internet, the whole idea around the the internet was that it was open and that we could um, connect, and that there there was an ability for folks to access information and to access audience free of being throttled, free of. Um, that type of interference so what the what the commissioners did was in fact to take away net neutrality and you know I think if the cho- I think if the choice is do you want um, do you want an agency an expert agency to protect consumers or do you want ISPs to protect consumers I, you know when I would I would choose the government because I have an interest to enrich their bottom line. They have a duty to their shareholders to, um, to make profit and be as profitable as possible. And so uh, one could even argue that they are doing their jobs if they're not exploiting consumers however they can within the contours of the law. So I would put my vote on the government in this instance um, because I, I trust the ISPs much less than I trust the government.
0: And I I would definitely agree with that. These ISPs, again, said uh, they're worried about their bottom line. They're worried about the shareholders. They're worried about profits. And the best way for them to get profits, again, is to charge us, the consumers, as much as they possibly can, and it becomes free-for-all for for them. They just make billions and billions of dollars while we just sit back and now we have to make a choice. Is the Internet that important to us or not?
1: Right. Now, let me just address one thing real quick. Um, The reason that no blocking and no uh, discrimination aspects were not put back into place is because the D.C. Circuit held the FCC doesn't have the power to regulate those areas. However, What needs to happen is Congress needs to enact an open Internet law that would regulate carriers and regulate ISPs. Now, when modem days, when all transmission of signals was over phone lines, yes, Internet service providers were common carriers because they were involved with phone lines. Now that's changed and there's so many different the technical aspects are just mind-boggling.
2: Well, they are trying
1: to do is enact something that the FCC cannot enact without Title II classification, which even people in 2014 felt was not appropriate. Uh, There's an article in Wired calling it a nuclear option. But see, Lisa,
3: and the court affirmed the 2015 decision on,
1: yes, on every I, account, I, and, it,
3: and it affirmed the FCC's authority to protect net neutrality. So I'm not sure that it's accurate to say that the court said that the FCC doesn't have
1: authority. In fact, it affirmed well, that no. authority
3: in the D.C. Circuit.
1: They affirmed the reclassification. Which is the FCC's authority. And providers as Title II common carriers. Uh, and that yes. is a decision that Chairman Pai was a commissioner. He dissented from. Michael O'Reilly dissented from that decision. That's true, but to say that the FCC
3: doesn't have authority is inaccurate because well, in, again, in the U.S. Well,
1: Telecom v. FCC case,
3: the, the, what court, the court affirmed the, that 2015 order and, what the and so that is the law of the
1: land. And what the Verizon case stated was that the FCC could not enact no blocking and no discrimination because it was imposing common carrier regulation or per se common carrier regulation on broadband services that were information services, not common carrier. Well, if, well if you look at it, you know, trying to push and, this whole thing. That so they right now, to- if, they, if they rescind the common carrier, they can't enact no blocking and no.
3: Right. But they didn't have to rescind the common carrier. It was fully within the scope of their authority to classify uh, broadband service as a title to common carrier service. And the court affirmed that authority. So that's where I think we're not on the same
1: page. Well, I just think like, a lot of people weren't on the same page uh, of enacting a common carrier classification. And some people thought it was not the, not the option at this time to do. Again, it's referred to in a Wired article as a nuclear option.
0: Well, they're, they're also referring to the Internet now as more of a utility than anything because it's becomes such a necessity to the American society and the world as a whole. And again, you know, you asked the question earlier. Do I want the government, or do I want a separate entity, you know, taking care of this? Well, just look at your, you know, your gas company, your water company, your electric company. Uh, the government helps to regulate these things so that we don't get screwed over by these companies. And I think the same thing needs to happen with the internet because it has become almost a absolute needed necessity to have internet access. You know, uh, you have to use it in public schools, you know, for kids to do homework, hey, Sean? Uh, for my job, uh, w- this show, for example. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do this show if the regulations are just set loose and they can just run wild like the Wild Wild West and charge whatever they want for that. And I think that's why we hey, need Sean? to stand against
2: Yeah. Well, I was going to say to your point, you know, we were going back uh, talking about the history of the Internet, and I remember um, – Back in the early 90s, the bulletin board systems where you actually had a telephone line, people would call in, you had you know, a modem, usually 9,600 BPS, or if you were fortunate, 14.4. Um, yeah. And then you went from there, you evolutionized to what they called Telenet, which was the ability to actually dial in and then Telenet over to another bulletin board software. And then came like your your AOL, and I agree with you, And and the question I want to ask is, you know, it has become such a necessity. It used to be, you know, kind of a, uh, what do you call it, a a benefit, a fringe benefit or whatever uh, to have the Internet. But now with email and, you know, things of that nature and chat and Snapchat and whatever else you have, I think it's become a necessity like you said. So I just was curious if, you know, a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you talk about common carrier and and such. Um, So, you know, can there, is there any way you could kind of, Ms. Gonzalez kind of explain this down to maybe some of our listeners who aren't rooted as much in the technical terminology kind of in layman terms?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's why I don't even like to get down into this. I think this is what the Trump administration folks and the chair and You know, his colleagues want us to do is to get down a a layer. I think the important thing, uh, you know, to a layer that's very wonky and technical when it's it's not really necessary to understand what's happening here. So there's there's two pieces to what happened last week. One is a piece about what the FCC has. One is a piece, the easier piece, I would say, is about what are the rules and the net neutrality rules were. No blocking, no throttling, no discrimination or paid prioritization online, um, and, and a transparency role. The other segment was um, how, you know, what is the FCC's authority to enact those rules? And um, there has been a debate about whether, um, whether Internet service providers provide what is considered an information service versus a telecommunication service. And just by definition alone, internet service providers are telecommunication service providers. And because of that, the FCC has clear authority to enact net neutrality rules. And so the telecommunication service is really defined as just an access point, a way that one gets access to the internet. Um, whereas an information service is more like what you would see on, you know, uh, with your websites and apps and things that you get through your, through your access to the Internet. And so what the FCC did back in 2015, because it had tried to protect net neutrality under a variety of legal theories, and <clears throat> the court told them what you're doing really is you're preventing discrimination online and that that is a common carrier rule so like for instance you know trains are common carriers they cannot discriminate right so like the internet service providers are also common carriers and if you're going to do common carrier rules you need to classify them as common carriers and so that's what the fcc did and that was the way that they ensured that they had legal authority to enact net neutrality rules. The court agreed absolutely with this theory. It, but even if that wasn't the case, even if it wasn't the case that, um, that this was the path, just by definition, Internet service providers, because they're providing access, um, they are, by definition, a telecom carrier, a telecommunications service, and so they, a common carrier under the Communications Act. And so they do rightfully belong entitled to. So this is the right classification. The court has affirmed that. And there's no reason, there's absolutely no reason to repeal the rules. They're working. And so, you, you know, just putting all the legal jargon and, and what have you aside, the FCC found a way to protect net neutrality. The court... Affirmed the FCC. We, you know, we won the the case on all uh, on all grounds, and so we had a good, strong system to protect consumers on the internet. And there's no reason to take it away. And the only ones who wanted it were the ISPs and some of the mouthpieces that they've paid on the hill.
1: Yeah, I'm still here.
0: Okay, my phone just, like, got really quiet. I thought I'd actually gotten uh, disconnected. Uh, no, you know, I, I look at this, you know, uh, as just a guy who, you know, has an average job. You know, I work a upper-middle-class job. I support my family. Uh, you've explained that extremely well uh, to me. I don't have any technical know-how as far as the Internet goes, ISPs, all this other stuff. You know, just what I've read. And... From me, the way that I see this, this is just the big guy attacking the little guy again, trying to squeeze as much as he can out of us. And uh, the FCC under this current administration, that's you know just the way of the day. That's what's going to happen. Uh, again, what do you think the chances are that they're actually going to pull this off and uh, get rid of net neutrality?
3: I mean, I, I don't think when you see this kind of popular uprising, I have a lot of hope that um, that we can stop this on the Hill. I also think, you know, there's the, the FCC under this ruling, they're wrong on the facts, they're wrong on the law, and they were very wrong on the process. And so I think there's a lot of strong arguments and that there's a decent chance that this gets overturned in court. I mean, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals just heard this case two years ago. They just affirmed the FCC's authority. They just affirmed the net neutrality rules. And the FCC has given no explanation and certainly no explanation based in actual fact why this repeal is necessary or in the public interest.
2: So now with all the – obviously Congress having the power to do their – what is it, CRA, um, if – Congress acts to not Do anything Uh, Is there any other Alternatives to fighting this measure
3: We got the courts We got Congress and we got the courts of public Opinion (laughs) But you know even if this Congress Doesn't want to do the right thing This this fight is not over This is an issue that people have shown that they they Care about they're going to fight for And they're going to get out in the streets To defend
0: so even if we lose this battle, uh, we three years, hopefully we'll be able to overturn this by putting a new administration in.
3: Yeah, and I and I, I feel very hopeful that we're not. I feel very, that we have a very strong legal case and that we have a lot of reason to keep going on this. Now, let me
2: ask you this. While this is in court, uh, should I guess if it goes to court or whatnot, is the ruling of the end of net neutrality, does that – still stay in play, or do they put a hold on it, or uh, how does that work?
3: I'll give you the classic legal answer of it depends. <laughs> um, you can, the the petitioners could seek what's called a stay, which is sort of like what people would think of as an injunction so that the rules couldn't go in place. There's a pretty high barrier um, to getting one of those, but it's possible that it could happen. But it, so this but if actually,
0: not.
3: This like could go next, into. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: This could be tied up in court for, say, the next three years until the next administration comes in.
3: Um, I suppose it's possible. I mean, likely we would. This, the, this, the um, circuit court of appeals would hear this. You know, there'd be briefing and oral arguments, and there'd be a decision within the year. But depending on what happens there. Uh, you know, they could send it back to the FCC, they could affirm the FCC, or you know, and if, if they affirm the FCC, then there, you know, likely be appeals to the Supreme Court. And so that, I mean, theoretically, it could take three years. Uh, it's just there's a lot of factors that are unknown at this point, so it's hard to make those kinds of predictions.
0: So the internet as we know it today probably won't change immediately um but they will probably as you said they were making plans already uh, i know verizon got caught trying to throttle a, a competitor there for a while and uh they were told to stop doing that so it, it, it's very possible that these companies could start slow throttling different things that they don't want to especially their competitors over the next three years right
3: i mean yeah it just depends if we if we get them to stay the rules or not if they the the order the net neutrality rules today are still in effect. Um, there's a there's a lot of you know at, at least for the next couple of months they will remain in effect. But yeah, I mean we've seen a lot of examples. We've seen you know Comcast blocking BitTorrent and Verizon um, blocking Mayoral messages, and so um, the list goes on. <laughs> and so and this was even when the ISPs were under um, under scrutiny and under threat of of regulation, they still couldn't behave themselves. So, one can only imagine what will happen um, under an FCC that's shown that it doesn't really care.
0: And as of right now, it does look that way, right?
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> like I said, they could have they could have just decided to repeal the authority, the, the Title II. Um, Authority question, but they went all the way and and gutted the rules as well, and um, basically said we trust the ISPs to do what's right, so they they didn't have to go that far.
0: Yeah, that would be kind of like asking the NRA to take care of uh, school security, right?
3: <laughs> Listen, the companies are going to do what's in their what's in their best interest I mean we've seen that time and again that's not unique to this industry what is unique to this industry is that a lot of these providers are you know profiting on a near monopoly like status so that you know it's not like the fast food industry where I can just drive to the next place or like you know where I buy my clothes where I have a lot of options it's it's literally a lot of folks have one option for where they get their Internet. And so that is why there needs to be some, some common sense regulations.
0: Well, I agree with you. My sister lives in a rural part of the state, and uh, she was on dial-up up until last year. And she can't get satellite. She can't do broadband. So basically she's out of Internet at this point because it was just so bad. And, unfortunately, if this does sustain, I think millions of Americans in rural areas especially are going to suffer, school districts, businesses, all around the country. Uh, You know, some people don't like government in, you know, the aspects of our lives. But I think right now, yeah, this is the best thing for us is that they, they need to go in there and actually protect us from this.
3: Yep. I mean there's certain things that government you know we if 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 you're asking kids and that's that's what we are doing uh if we're asking kids to have internet access so that they can do their homework and they can meet the basic educational standards set out by the government then we need to provide them with the tools and that's one of the saddest things about what happened last week was that it also undermines Uh, programs uh, and one particular program that helps make broadband more affordable for poor folks. And, you know, there's lots of folks in in cities and in rural areas that um, can't afford the, the heavy expense. And this uh, decision puts those folks in further risk. And and this agency also has some, another rulemaking that it's, that's, it's firing up and underway right now to, to strip um, a lot of options for affordable Internet from poor folks' hands. So there's a lot of destruction happening. And, um, you know, th- this has caused a lot more damage, what the FCC did last week. It's not just taking away our net neutrality rules. It's taken away um, the ability of the FCC to protect our privacy online, the ability of the FCC to make sure that our internet is affordable and, and it's, it's, it's the wrong move.
0: Yeah. That's another interesting thing for the people. Uh, I, I was saying that there's another interesting thing about Arkansas as well is that Axiom, one of the companies that sells our information to everybody is founded here in Arkansas. It started in Conway and they have a giant campus there in Little Rock, right downtown. Uh, you can see the building as you're driving, you know, on I 30 there. Um, you know, again, this all goes back to big business and, and, and these corporate interests and everything, and I find it shameful, especially in places like Arkansas, where, you know, children can't even afford to buy lunch, and they're mm-hmm. going to take internet access. That's just disgusting.
3: Mhm. Yeah, my, my girlfriend's a, a school teacher in a very poor community, and, you know, she tells me about how her kids show up. Shoes are two sizes, too big, jackets with holes in them, haven't eaten breakfast, and they, ha- they, they don't have, you know, their parents are having to make hard choices about how to, uh, how to make sure that they can do their homework and get access to the Internet. This is, this is all wrapped up in what's happening at the FCC right now.
0: You know, that's another issue, too. I mean, where are children supposed to get access to the Internet? If not at home, uh, the public libraries will be flooded with children. And of course, these regulations are going to cause the public libraries to not be able to provide the services that they need as well. So this is just a nightmare scenario all around. It looks like.
3: Yep, I mean, I think this is this was his intention, right? We had, um, we had Steve Bannon who just wanted the deregulatory state. He was one of the main advisors for Trump up until not too long ago and this is the sort of chaos that was intended they were they intended to create right um where the government i mean there's certain essential services that the government and most folks agree like we want our roads to be fixed uh we don't want potholes we want our kids to have quality education we understand that there's some things that that only a government can do and and Unfortunately, because of how consolidated the internet market is, protecting net neutrality is—it has to be one of those things. You
0: know, I would agree with that. I don't think the private sector uh, has society's best interest in a, a, as a whole. They can do things better. They can do things to you know make technology greater, but. When it comes down to it, as far as access, you know, again, I look at this as a utility. This is something that everyone needs. Um, you got to get big business out of that. You have to have someone to protect you in that. I mean, yeah. if we all took I a mean, look I... everybody would probably agree they want the Internet the way it is right now.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I Brad, just keep
3: thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking about how important that it, this is for for especially rural Americans. You know, I, I know my you know my in-laws. I mentioned they're they're in the rural South, and you know they really need employers. They need you know jobs. And if we were supporting a system that that really was looking to build high-speed internet in rural. In rural America, you would see more companies coming. I mean, that's what we saw. The the one thing that we learned from the Google projects was that, like, companies, when they understood the Internet was coming to places at really great speeds and great openness, that they wanted to be in those places. So, you know, for folks who are looking to bring business and looking to bring commerce to their states, I think it's really important that we're protecting openness.
2: Well, I've got a real quick – I know that uh, our time has become, by what, 10 more minutes here. I have a, a question I wanted to ask. Now, with the way technology has grown in the last three years, um, let alone the last 20, um, as far as infrastructure, new fiber optic lines and cabling and, and things to support uh, the growth that the technology um, – Industry and, and that group has, has made. Um, if you limit the ISPs' income, then who is fiscally responsible for the like, uh, you know, funding of uh, the infrastructure that supports the internet?
3: Well, I mean, if you look at their incomes, they're still making money hand over fist. The, uh, I mean, one of the things that was revealed in uh, my colleague, Derek Turner, wrote a report, it's working, he's an economist, he studied um, ISP's comments to their, um, to their shareholders uh, in filings that they filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And what all of them said was that net neutrality has no impact on our decisions on whether to invest in our networks. We have invest in our networks. For reasons that have nothing to do with whether or not there's net neutrality regulations in place and so you know it, it is they're making the money off the networks and, and it is their responsibility to invest and the reason that people want internet is because of the cool things
5: <laughs> that are
3: enabled by, by an open internet by net neutrality so you know I think also the government has, has invested heavily in build out and especially in um, infrastructure build out in, in rural America, and, and I was hoping that we were going to see as part of the infrastructure package um, more money to support uh, high-speed Internet build-out throughout the country, but unfortunately, um, that was not made a priority. But I would like, I would like to see um, public investment. We've traditionally had a lot of public investment. There's, you know There are funds, FCC-run funds that support that. Um, but the ISPs regard, you know, I don't really think they're not making decisions on whether to invest. And if they haven't come to your neighborhood yet, um, they're probably not going to. And just because we repeal net neutrality won't make it any more likely that they're going to come, come and see us.
0: No, I think that's a great point. I mean, I live in a very small town here in Arkansas and the mayor who happens to be, uh, a little bit more progressive even though you know he's a republican knew that we needed that type of uh isp in here so we got the uh at&t u-burst and you know we compete with what's what's the other small company fidelity we have a fidelity company here as well which uh has very terrible service but we're lucky because, again, we had someone that had more progressive ideas as far as, you know, this town growing and bringing business and different things like that. So not everybody has that type of, uh, you know, open-mindedness, you know, in their local governments as well, trying to bring in, you know, the access to the Internet that they need.
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of my colleagues live in um, – at Free Press live in western Massachusetts in a very rural, very hilly um, area that's hard to serve, and they've been trying to build their own, you know, community internet, and you know, a lot of places around the country have tried, especially in rural areas, have tried to build um, community, Wi-Fi and community um, municipal broadband, and the FCC, these FCC, you know, Commissioner O'Reilly and Chairman Pai, have actually been... uh, have voted against um, states and localities having the power to do this and allowing the, the the federal government to preempt um, states and localities from building their own networks. And this is at the behest of course of the internet service providers who don't want any competition. And it's really sad because you're seeing some places that aren't even served at all, but still these guys don't want to let communities build their own networks because it's a threat to them.
0: Oh yeah, my in laws don't have it, so that's just. uh, I'm sorry, Sean. I wanted to, I wanted to ask this
5: before we uh, lost uh, Miss Gonzalez. I know we only got about six minutes left, but I came across a story this afternoon while researching you guys uh, on rooters or rudders or however you say it, but uh, it said that you guys were uh, you guys in common knowledge were uh prepared to take this battle to the courts uh how might that look as far as i know you said you know basically everything lies in the hands of congress what would you guys be going to court for essentially
3: oh yeah and i think i i put this maybe half in the hands of congress half in the hands of the court we will be suing the fcc for this decision uh we you know the f c c is wrong on the law they 're wrong on the facts and they're wrong they were wrong on the process so i think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of grounds uh to sue and and i have i have a really good feeling about our chances in court
5: so is there a chance that you guys uh that the net neutrality deal ends in Congress, and then you guys are able to pick up a victory in the courts and still manage to avoid the end of net neutrality?
3: I think, I mean, (laughs) it's a lot of hypotheticals toppled on top of each other, but I think anything's possible. I think we have a good chance to win in court. I think, you know, I think we have a good chance that – given the outcry and given the bipartisan opposition to this repeal, we have a good chance that the um, Congress will vote on a resolution of disapproval. And, you know, depending on what these timelines look like, you know, we're getting into 2018. And I really think that's why the FCC rushed because they were trying to keep this out of election season. And, um, you know, people are paying attention and you never know what can happen when the, the makeup of, Washington changes next year
5: that's very true and like I said we only got you about four more minutes Sean Lisa if you guys have anything left we're gonna uh give you guys an option to uh, have some final thoughts here with Miss Gonzalez and then Miss Gonzalez before we leave we'll obviously give you a chance to uh you know talk about your website and so on and so forth as well but Sean Lisa anything else you guys have for Miss Gonzalez
0: uh, yeah, I want to thank her for coming on the show. Uh, you've definitely opened my eyes a little bit more, uh, sharing the information that you did. And uh, I side with you. I'm very hopeful that we are going to come to a better resolution than what's being perpetrated in the media right now. Lisa? Oh,
1: yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you again, Ms. Gonzalez, for coming on. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see how things play out in this
0: any final thoughts, Miss Jessica?
3: no, just i'm really I'm really appreciative. I love joining you i love the I love the spirit of debate uh, <laughs> I thought it was fun and uh, I, just, I really appreciate hearing the um I've never been to Arkansas in the interest of public disclosure my my husband's family really is from Alabama, so I have spent a lot of time um in the south, but I really, yes. uh, it was really interesting to hear your perspective on how this affects folks in your area and, and what it means to them. So thank you so much for your time and thanks for all your listeners' uh, attention. And if you want more information, if you want to read some wonky legal or economic pieces, you can go to FreePress.net. Um, that's our or my organization's website. Um, but if you want to get involved, you could go to battleforthenet.com. That's battleforthenet.com and that's run, it's a joint project by the Free Press Action Fund, uh, Demand, Progress, and Fight for the Future that's working to mobilize people on this issue. And uh you can join Team Internet and be a Internet Freedom Champion.
0: Which I have done. Well, thank and you. we'll Go ahead, Brad. We'll go ahead, Sean.
2: Well, I was just going to tell uh, Miss Gonzalez, thank you uh, very much. Of course, if you want to, uh, again, she said www.battleforthenet.com. Uh, if you want to join Team Internet, Sean, obviously you've joined Team Internet. Uh, anyone listening is welcome to do that, whether you agree or disagree with Miss Gonzalez, it's your choice. But if you would like more information, of course, she told you you could go to battleforthenet.com. I've uh, been looking at the website, very interesting uh, You know, I am i don't know where I stand on net neutrality To be honest with you I, I haven't really given it much thought uh, Other than what I've been reading over the last several weeks Since this has come up But uh, again, Ms. Gonzalez Thank you for joining the show And we appreciate you And anytime uh, you are welcome back at any point in time That uh, you have something you would like to talk about
3: Thank you, thank you so much for having me Appreciate no. it Not
2: a problem And that was Deputy Director of Free Press, Jessica Gonzalez. Sean, Lisa, very enlightening uh, interview. Obviously, uh, I'm not going to lie, some of that went over my head. (laughs) You know, the common carrier thing. um, And that's why you have the Internet. You're free to go watch YouTube videos or Google net neutrality. There's a lot of information, whether you're on the pro or the con side of it. So, uh, feel free to do that, Michael. Are we going to go straight? What are we doing? Uh, we had to switch some servers around, so I don't know. We're not going to commercials. Thank God, I don't have to listen to your damn voice tonight. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: so, Sean, let's let's go ahead and let's get the segments going here. I want to know your and Lisa. You know, obviously, you're in the legal field as well. I want to know. Obviously, there's the NFL took control of an investigation into the Carolina Panthers owner. Uh, I guess in saving himself for an embarrassment or whatnot, he's decided to put the Carolina Panthers up for sale. Now, the interesting thing that came out on Twitter was that uh, P. Diddy, Colin Kaepernick, and Steph Curry... For those who don't know, obviously, P. Diddy is a famous entertainer, Kaepernick, the quarterback at the San Francisco 49ers, former quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, who took a stand by kneeling, and then Steph Curry, obviously, the MVP and NBA Finals champion with the Golden State Warriors, has now backed a black ownership for an NFL team, something that I don't believe has ever been done, Sean, and... They are you know, P. Diddy obviously has the money. Steph Curry obviously has the money. I'm not sure about Kaepernick. I know that P. Diddy said he would like to sign Kaepernick should he buy the Carolina Panthers. But Sean, yeah. your and least your take on this as far as this this whole ownership issue. Like, um I you know, I could care less who buys who. I don't understand why it's so predominant that we have to make it a a black ownership issue. Uh, if Pete Diddy wants to buy it, I don't understand why that's a big deal. And, and I mean, it's a great story, I guess, if he wants to buy the team, but do we really have to make it about race, Sean?
0: Well, how many black owners are there in the NFL today?
2: Well, there's none. I'll, I'll give you that.
0: Well, I think it'd be pretty important that uh, a group get together to buy the North Carolina Panthers. And if they are African-Americans, that's uh that's a more positive outlook for the country as a whole, because of our diversity, because of the melting pot that we supposedly are. So if uh Mr. B. Diddy does do this and he works to get Mr. Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback, I think that's uh that's an amazing push forward in progression in this country to, you know, have African Americans have more power in this country. I think we need that.
2: Well, apparently the story is now, I mean, P. Diddy said he would sign Kaepernick, but now Kaepernick is actually throwing his name in the consortium, I guess, however you want to say it, to be the owner. So you're looking at P. Diddy, Kaepernick, and Steph Curry all looking to kind of get in on this action and buy the Carolina Panthers. I don't know the backstory as far as the owner goes, but uh, I guess it's sexual assault and racism. Um is what's being levied against him, and that's therefore he's selling the team. Um And, I mean, like I said, I don't have a problem with them buying the team. I mean, if they if that's what they want to do, I think that would be pretty neat. I mean, pretty cool. I don't – you know, I've never been a Kaepernick fan, not for what he did, but the fact that he protested and then had the nerve to wear a Castro shirt. Um And then – You know, Sean, I know the thing that you disagreed with was the fact that he protested and then chose not to even vote. So that, to me, nullifies him right then and there. But, you know, that's what they want to do.
0: I wouldn't nullify his voice for not voting, but I think it took a lot of credibility away from his movement when he chose not to vote, because voting is a right that we all have. It's extremely important. And to just cast that aside... Over a social issue To me was very disappointing Because the people Do have the power in this country And when we do Come together and we decide something Sometimes things get done A lot of the times they don't But It's very important that each and every one of us Exercise that right to vote And stop the gerrymandering. Well Sean
2: we've got a We're going to do something to get ready to Uh Michael, get ready, because I'm sure I'm going to be told to eat various male body parts or fecal matter, I'm sure. But we've got a caller. Nice. So, Michael, just bring him on in. And (laughs) caller, are you with
0: us? Hello, caller?
4: Hello. 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 Yes, go ahead. Hi, my name's Suzette. I'm calling from Southern California. And I just wanted to make a comment. I I agree with the host of the show as far as why does it have to be a race thing. And I say that only because if the black community wants to be on an equal playing field, then you know, for the most part it there's not there's nothing preventing them from doing so. And P. Diddy purchasing this football team is evidence of that. And so, therefore, it shouldn't be anything that should be hailed above anything else because he per- he, a black man is purchasing it. Basically, it's something that was always there. If somebody had the money, whether you're black, yellow, orange, blue, you've got the money and it's okay, then everything's kosher and the deal goes through, Great. But I don't think it should be a, a hailing thing that a black man purchased it.
1: I just think well, he's a man,
4: a very successful man with money that is purchasing a football field.
0: This would be a historical event, though, being the first black owner of an NFL team. So I think that that is that, a extremely thing I, that we should pray.
4: I think that's a divide, though, just like if there was a first Latino or a first... Polish or, you know, we're all Americans, and so, you know, it shouldn't be divided into categories of, you know, race or background, I think. In my opinion, I'm sorry. Well,
0: in a utopian society that would be the case where, uh, you know, everything is just hokey-cokey, but unfortunately minorities in this country have to struggle for most of the things that they get, whether they're wealthy or not. Uh, this opportunity for, for, you know, Mr. P. Diddy being an African-American, buying a team, that's pretty significant in the African-American uh, community. And uh, I support that 100%. And I hope that more minorities, including women, do come forward and, you know, have the ability to buy more teams. Uh, Again, MBA there you a-
1: go. Well, key word, ability. I, now, let me, let me jump in real quick. I was just reading an article in response to that question. And actually, there are probably many teams that have minority owners as small uh, owning portions of the teams. Yes. Not the the main owner, the the majority share, but owning minor shares of the team. The Panthers have a family that uh, are minorities who have a. a Minority share Pursuant to the NFL's rules On ownership because those are very complicated Hey Lisa Would and you, you
2: know I was going to say this is not Unprecedented though Sean in the realm Of major sports if you go Look at it Michael Jordan Owns the Charlotte Hornets And then you come down to the Philadelphia 76ers You've got Will Smith Jada Pinkett Smith I mean guys like this you know Kevin Hart all of these guys own uh, major sports franchises so maybe not the NFL but is it is it historical that an African American actually owns a, a you know a franchise in a major sports venue uh,
0: well I mean again you mentioned Michael Jordan and 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 the Smiths Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith uh, as well as uh, the little guy, the little comedian—I forgot his name—owning um, different sports franchises. But in the NFL, yeah, it's unheard of. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, good old boys club. We got Jerry Jones, people like that that are that are in the NFL that are owning these teams. So when they get together and you know they're with the character who also happens to be white, uh, you know, it's just it's club. White folks there, so yeah, I want P Diddy. I hope this happens. I hope buys a team. Uh, I hope does good things with it.
4: Sure, but there was nothing saying that a black man or a Latino man or any other group could not purchase it. Whether or not the owners of the organizations are all white or not, it's whether or not anybody actually attempted to make a purchase for the for the team. So is and minority problem? only minority I mean, is a number. See, I'm Latino, yeah. and, but I'm an American first, but my heritage comes from Central America. The thing is, is that I don't consider myself a minority, especially not anymore <laughs> in California. My husband would be considered a minority because um, he's white, <laughs> and we overrun yep. as far as that goes, so minority not, meaning nothing less than the number of um, a group of people, no, nothing less. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're in poverty or, you know, anything less. There's, there was rich people that were once rich, and now they're not. You know, now they're in poverty. So, I think the whole historical thing, again, I just, I don't agree with the historicalness of it, but I do wish him success, and, and by golly, he is a successful and very talented man, otherwise he wouldn't be in the status that he is, and so you know, props for that and props for anybody else who achieves that type of success. I well, think that's seeing
0: awesome. that I, well, seeing that African-Americans have only had the right to vote for the past 60 years, this is quite an accomplishment for an African-American to be a sole owner or a part owner with other African-Americans to own a team. So it does have great not, historical.
4: Okay.
1: okay go ahead. But it, well, I, it shouldn't it it be does, about their race. I think that's what, I think that's, the, the message is it shouldn't be about their race. It should well, be should, about
0: just that people. We're, we're, a diverse, we're a very diverse uh, society made up of many different races, many different beliefs, mm-hmm. and if this happened before, especially in the NFL, it, it, it should be celebrated. People should be extremely happy about this. This shouldn't well, be looked as negative in any way at all.
4: No, nobody's but. saying it should be negative. We're just, I'm just saying, personally, myself, I don't think it, should be, it shouldn't be celebrated any more so than any other person that would be also in the position to purchase the team as well.
2: Well,
4: well Suzanne, we'll I a talk- have
2: a – and I want to – Sean, I've got to ask you something. You talk about this being an historical moment, but now yes. on the devil's advocate side of that or whatever you want to say, the other side of the coin, Jesus Christ, um, now we're looking at an African-American – who's got the money to buy an NFL team. So, at what point do we go, how held back are you as a race when you're able to buy a team? And I don't mean that in any negative connotation or whatever. Just devil's advocacy there. Yeah. Why? Are we, you know what I'm saying, Sean? I mean, we're celebrating this, and that's great. Hey, I'm glad that you can buy the team, but – why are we celebrating this as a major accomplishment in the fact that now they're successful enough to do this? So is there this level of oppression that's being forced out there in the media?
0: Well, I didn't mention any oppression. I just said it was a great accomplishment. Uh, statistically speaking, how many Puff Daddies are out there in the American society? Very few. Uh, it how takes many
4: time to struggle.
0: But how many people actually make it into the NFL that are of uh, minority races you know the the statistics prove that it's very few you know even though they are a majority of the nfl very few kids that make it through high school that make it through college actually go into the nfl so this is a great opportunity to let younger kids know uh in urban areas that you can follow your dreams i mean how many you know real people do they have to look up to You know, when you look in the history books, you have Martin Luther King, you have a few black leaders, you have uh, President Obama, but, you know, white America doesn't look fondly upon them, and they talk really bad about them. Uh, There's still attacks against President Obama. Our local congressman uh, here in the state legislation, uh, Jason Rappert, just tweeted a horrible thing about President Obama today. I mean, racism is pretty relevant. So,
4: Well, the same thing could be said about the the standing president now, though, as far as the you know, the hatred towards him and his race. Well, the hatred President
0: Trump is because of, you know, his attitude, uh, his lack of character, um, everything that he is doing, actually lack of doing, in this country. He's all bark and no bite. He doesn't do anything. So if people done hate him. He's quite a lot,
4: actually. <laughs> we just don't hear about it in the regular media. That's all. I've been what following- he done? What has he done? He's helped our veterans out a lot. He's he has? He's cl- he, yes, he has, as a matter of fact. He's given them a pay raise, not only that, but he's tended to their medical needs and is Absol- working right now on getting um, what he's is it, cl- non
0: Associated with the Veterans Administration. I know that for a fact. Okay, why would you do that to veterans? We're spending $250 million a day on war. We can't take care of the veterans enough. Now we're going to close down all these CBOCs that do uh, care for royal—I mean, rural areas like here, in, here in Arkansas. I mean, this guy's a scumbag. He does not care about the American people, especially the veterans. Those are the people he doesn't care about at all.
4: He signed an order that would allow the Veterans Hospital to fire anybody that was mistreating or with the appointments or anything that has to do with the veterans, as far as hurting their their medical needs, whereas before they could not fire them outright. And Actually, the Democrats that, voted against that. And you can look up their voting record because I checked. I wanted to make sure.
0: There are unions in, it's in the VA that protect the people that go there, and it's a three-strike system, just like any other business that's out there. If someone screws up, they get wrote up, right? And then it goes into a disciplinary action, and then they get removed there's nothing out there says that people couldn't be fired for mistreating veterans. And
4: well, you'll have to,
0: look,
4: you'll have to look that up. You'll have to look that up, but it's there. Well, Sean,
5: Sean I kind of want to jump in here real quick because in my dealings with the, uh, in my dealings with the VA, I heard many a time about, uh, I got pretty close with a couple of the employees up there. I heard many a time about employees being, uh, being talked to and, uh, you know, paper being given to them, write-ups and what have you for, you know, uh, people mistreating veterans. You know, there's even, in this case, in the Central Arkansas VA healthcare system about people, you know, talking about how certain veterans smell bad or something. And then those, those same employees, though, get written up. So there is disciplinary action going on as far as that goes.
0: And, and, you know, just a a story. Recently, I I ran into a couple from Puerto Rico uh, just this week, and they were talking about our local VA here in Little Rock. And they're here because of the hurricane that happened on the island. Uh, Mm -hmm. The man uh, had special care, and the only place that was available at the time was in the Little Rock VA. And he just praised this VA. He said that it was one of the best in the country that you know, no one has treated him any better. He didn't get you know as quality care as he has gotten in Puerto Rico, and you know when people bag on the VA, you know I'm sorry they don't have the funding that they need. Again, when we're wasting so much money on war, we need to turn around some of that funding and help the people that have fought in those wars, and that's not right. happening.
4: And it has a lot to do with the staff too. Not at all VAs, but there are some that are very bad, and you made it also available to veterans to be able to go to get health care wherever they want to go. Basically, if there is a facility next to them, they should be able to and go wherever they want to go. That's been in the
0: veterans for 20 years. They've been able to go to any hospital that they so choose. Most veterans choose to go to the VA because they're treated extra special there.
4: Well, not the VA, not the veterans I've spoken to. <laughs>
3: My, well, so my,
4: nevertheless.
5: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Sean. Sean. Yes. Bro, what veterans have you spoken to? Because a lot of the veterans I've spoken to about the VA healthcare system, the yes. uh, I've heard that Central Arkansas is the absolute worst VA healthcare system in the country. They talk about better healthcare systems in Dallas, Washington. You know, in the homeless program especially. They talk about how uh, certain uh, other VA healthcare systems will go out and get you jobs, permanent jobs, whereas the Central Arkansas healthcare system will only give you a temporary one while you look for another job. They they will give you housing, permanent housing that isn't HUD. They have different resources, things like that. So as far as Central Arkansas being a beacon for the healthcare system, that's completely. Inaccurate. And I mean, as, as far as the VA health care system being this beacon of light and the veterans choosing to go to the VA, I don't think I've ever spoken to a veteran that has chosen to go to a VA. Most yeah. veterans I've spoken to have gone to a VA because they have no other choice and because their health care there is either free Correct. or at a discounted rate.
1: My dad was in the Coast Guard. He had Tricare through his work because he was in the reserves for 20 years, he would not set foot in VA. He used but Tricare he still... to deal with his uh, with his medical. Okay. And he so would not he still... go to the VA. Okay, he
0: still had a choice. He didn't want to go to the VA. And everyone knows in the 80s all the veterans talked about the VAs being horrible. It was a chop shop. It was terrible. And
1: my, my they... husband in Virginia is having problems dealing with VA, getting her medical care. Okay. She has she's having, pro- yeah, having problems. she's having a problem getting care. She's having problems getting appointments. Follow-up.
0: And is she, has she gone to her local director's office to talk to them about this?
1: Uh, this is in Virginia. Okay. Uh, in Hampton area. So, yeah, She's dealing with the bureaucracy because she doesn't have health insurance that would allow her to go outside the VA system. But if she but could, enforce- she would go outside the VA system. And unfortunately, President that's treat-
4: Obama, He had fired one of the veterans, pers- director, person that was head of all the veterans, and instated somebody to try and straighten things out. And then uh, Trump kept him because he was working to clean the house and get things straightened out. And then the pre- President Trump had just given him additional tools to help him work that out. But um, yeah, Obama and, has problems. The,
1: the VA is a system that has been broken for probably Ever. more than forty years.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know how or why, but I know my uncle went to him in the early '80s and he got his own health insurance
4: rather than deal with
1: VA. Because yeah. it is free care if you – if it's combat-related, it's free care. If it's not combat-related, it's discounted.
4: Mm-hmm. And President Obama but, had realized that these veterans needed help, and right. and he felt for them. so, you know, he had fired the, the guy that was – doing all kinds of shenanigans he shouldn't have been doing, and veterans were dying waiting for an appointment and so forth. So he said, all right, you're out. You're in. We need to clean,
1: and it, it's clean something this thing that's up. Not gonna, it's not going to be fixed overnight, and it's not an easy fix.
4: Right, right. And so President Trump gave him additional tools to help him out, but he kept the guy. Right. So, the only, you know.
0: But, but second, the only thing that President Trump has done is, is, is or his administration has done is to help create a hotline where people can complain. They haven't done anything to make the VAs better. The VA does that internally, and the VA has been doing a damn good job. You know, uh, just just going back to the 80s again. You know, I heard the stories about the chop shops and everything. People talk bad about the VA, but my grandfather was a non-combatant Korean War veteran. He uh, had a bazooka blow up while he was in uh, basic training, ruined his hearing. But he was able to get quality care for the rest of his life through the VA at a discounted rate. Now, he was disabled because of this. And it greatly helped him through the VA to get the health care that he needed. Was it the best in the world? No, but it did help him throughout his life until he passed away. The VA does well, good things.
4: It's not And there are horrible- facilities. Yes, that you that can be praised like that, you know, but not across the nation, you know, no, like every say, single one. So you know, it's, you can't really do a blanket statement. But yeah, there are a lot of ones that are out there that do take care of our, our men and women, for I sure. I would say the, majo-
0: the majority of VAs out there take care of people and they do a good job. Okay, are there a few people that work anywhere that do a bad job? Yes, and those people get weeded out. Now, it doesn't work as fast as most people would like because there are processes to this. The government has put this thing into place where unions come in and they actually, you know, help the employees when they get into trouble and they try to keep them from losing their jobs. Some of these people are vested for 10, 20 years. They get a retirement after 20 years, you know, but the, the majority of people that I know that work for the VA or have gone to the VA, they talk nothing but positive experiences about it.
3: Well, that's good Well, I mean, I mean,
5: well, I mean Sean, I want to, you know, personally I, I want to talk about one of the experiences uh, my mother had As far as getting her service uh, connected to disability My mom had a multitude of things wrong with her getting out of the uh, Air Force And she actually had to go so far She lives in uh, the central southern part of Florida She actually had to go so far as to write Marco Rubio before the uh, VA actually did anything um, as far as moving on her service connection disability. That is completely ridiculous to me. Then you look at other things, like I've talked to a VA employee that's still a VA employee, so I'm not going to say his name, but he will straight tell you the VA will lie to you they will tell you you du- they lost all your records in a fire but you were you know you were serving after that fire happened at the National Records Archives he said he had one he said his personal story he said he uh served after the fire in the National Archives for veteran records and the guys um told him that his documents were lost in a fire he said he wrote his congressman and the documents were in his uh in his on the way to him, I should say, by the end of the day. I mean, these are there, there are scenarios in the VA where there is very, very big corruption going on, and veteran oh. healthcare is not, Hold or uh, the veteran is not the priority.
0: You're you're calling out corruption, okay? I, that that's a big statement to throw against the VA like that. I don't think that there's a lot of corruption. I think the people that are in the higher ups, the directors. Uh, The doctors, the nurses that are working in these systems, they're doing the best that they can with what they have. Okay. There hasn't been anyone brought before Congress, you know, in any kind of, you know, thing that I've seen the last 20 years where corruption was brought forward. Now, have some people done some things that are wrong? Yes, just like in any other business. But this isn't something wide across the country where corruption is running rampant. The VA does a damn good job helping a lot of our veterans. Do they all get the care that they need? Oh, but even when I went to Walter Reed, okay, when I was a reservist and I went to Walter Reed, some of the health care wasn't taken care of. I saw a guy with his leg blown off waiting for a surgery in Walter Reed, an Army hospital, okay, waiting three weeks before he could get everything done that he needed to do. And the chaplain wouldn't even see him when he asked for a chaplain. So bad things happen parts of the government. Sean, I want you to
5: address this. I want you to address this. A couple of years ago, there was a story about VA, uh, VA healthcare system, actually exposing veterans to HIV and AIDS uh, through blood transfusions that were incorrectly done. There's tons of stories of mistakes that should never be made, and you don't hear about this at normal healthcare systems. And these are guys that fought for our country. That are being exposed to these things.
0: Hold on a second. You do hear about this in the private sector and private hospitals all the time. That's why we have lawsuits against hospitals and doctors all the time for malpractice. This is a human condition that happens where people make mistakes. It's not just the VA. Look into the private sector, private hospitals. They are just as bad as what you're accusing the VA right now.
1: It's also probably more difficult to, to take action against the VA for malpractice.
0: I wouldn't is, think well, so. you're talking
1: about going after
5: a after the U.S. government rather than a private organization. Correct. But I mean, shoot, on Correct. day one of Donald Trump's presidency, he fired a Department of Veteran Affairs official. Uh, I, I mean, this is uh, Dwayne Hamlin on the morning of January twentieth, twenty seventeen. The department actually removed Dwayne Hamlin, the director of the VA Care of B and Healthcare System, from the from federal civil service. Uh, Mr. Hamlin subsequently appealed his removal obviously to the merit systems board Because of the particulars in this case it still remains under litigation so we don't know exactly what happened there But I mean corruption to say that corruption doesn't happen in the VA wouldn't be accurate either
0: I would say corruption does not happen in the VA because you're talking about something malicious against the veterans That does not happen Okay Okay if a few bad eggs do things, it's just like the bad cop scenario, okay? If there are bad cops out there shooting civilians, or as they call them, do you call all cops bad? Well, well, no, well Sean, not.
2: Not, not to interrupt you, but we, we have a vast uh, amount of listeners wanting to call in. Suzette, thank you for calling in the show uh, every Monday exactly. night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Give us a call we have an actual another caller Uh, So we're going to go ahead and put this Caller live on the air Uh, caller are you With us Yeah I'm here Uh, Okay Go ahead sir
6: Uh, First of all I'm an Unconcerned citizen at this point Uh, At this point I don't care how things go Uh, I'll just say that for the matter Uh, just To open things up here Uh, But uh, yeah when you start talking about The VA and things like that yeah there's going to be Good people within it and and some people who are incompetent, but overall, when you just talk about the health of veterans just throughout American history, period, you can see that not only has there been negligence there, but there's been a way of, of slow paying and slow caring, uh, kind of letting people pass away to a degree and, and instead of working things out with the funding that's actually needed. So if you cut the budget to, to the bone and essentially everything is now, you know, being operated in the wrong way, or, you know, you got a, you got a situation where you put a freeze on workers, and now you got five people doing what 20 people used to do, and the backlog just, you know, gets deeper and deeper. It's not that there's some evil dude, you know, way for rubbing his hands together. It's just things can be run inadequately, and you can see that everywhere. But I would compare I, it to the private sector,
0: which is much I, worse. I, I, but go, go ahead. When, when the, when the uh, Trump administration first took over, the VA was in a hiring freeze for almost six months. So there were cri- there were critical offices that needed to be filled that could not be filled because they had that hiring freeze. You know, uh, some of the things are outside of the control of the VA. Yeah. Again, like yep. you just said, uh, as far as funding too. Uh, when we're throwing away tri- what, what is it, seven trillion dollars over the last fourteen years for war, and we can't turn that around and help our veterans that fought in those wars, that's bullshit.
6: Well, they that's, need to that's tur- what I mean, though. There, there, there's a legacy of this. You go back to Spanish-American War, J.P. Morgan, and his people sold defective rifles that blew soldiers' thumbs off. Uh, you go back to some of the war profiteering when it came to rotten meat and some of the things Upton Sinclair and some of these other people, you know, kind of documented over the decades, you'll see that, okay, this is not really a mistake issue. This is a how much do we actually care about this in process and how much do we care about this in, you know, soapbox standing? Like, it's real easy to say, I support the troops, I put a sticker on. Okay, but what about funding? What about access to health care, housing, and all the things that actually matter?
0: Then you actually see what, what people really care about, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that 100% right there. How many people are donating the Wounded Warriors and the VA that are out there? You know, you can voluntarily give money through the IRS to different government agencies. How many people actually do that? Nobody, because nobody but- cares about anybody. In this country.
6: Yeah, but I, I would go beyond well, and, private Sean, and say the public public money, which is what I call taxpayer money, public money should just be more devoted to it. Like if we can send three billion to a certain country in the Middle East every year, we can take care of this if we if we well, have
0: the interest to I agree with that. Well and Definitely.
5: Sean I wanna I wanna address you know you brought up a certain organization. There actually uh was a study done and I believe this is why a lot of uh, people are Unfortunately hesitant to give to veteran organizations, there was a study done that the Wounded Warriors, a lot of the donation they're going to, these guys, uh, CNN did a study. These guys are taking yacht trips. Uh, there is a board of directors with the Wounded Warriors that makes six-figure salaries.
0: Oh, no, no, I Completely know about Completely
5: unacceptable that. for a charitable organization.
0: I mentioned wounded warriors only because so many people talk about the wounded warriors. I know that they have not been giving the money to the veterans like they should. Hell, most of the time they just give out T-shirts and they give out bumper stickers for all the money right, that exactly. they take. Right, exactly. The thing is, is the point I was trying to make is that you know the majority of Americans don't give shit to the veterans in America. They don't do anything because in America it's all about hoarding your wealth until you die.
5: Oh, yes, I completely agree. You know, the sad fact about it is, and I deal with this every day, I actually my job is to call for various veteran organizations throughout the country and try to get businesses to uh, donate to, say, the VFW or something like that, American or uh, AMVETS, things like that. And the sad fact is the number one question I'm asked is, is this tax deductible? And that is the first thing that they care about is can it save me money on my taxes and i think that's well, completely ridiculous
0: well america was built on greed i mean look at look, look at the history of this country and what we've done to the indigenous people what we did to the african americans that we brought over to this country we exploit and we rape and we pillage the entire world and people want to you know be surprised when you know, organizations like the VA can't do everything that they should be able to do for veterans in America. Well, how can they when they just throw, you know, money away to these giant corporations that are making money off of war while our soldiers and our service members are dying over there? What, 7,000 well, service have died in the last 14 years? What have they died for, in I all com- honesty?
5: I completely agree with that statement, Sean, you know, but, you know, you kind of – You kind of went after the Trump administration And Lord knows I'm no fan of the Trump administration by any stretch But this has gone far beyond the Trump administration into the Obama And, you know, back as far as you can remember Republican, Democrat administrations alike have cut funding for veterans Almost across the board, every administration you're cutting funding You're cutting funding I think what a lot of things happened with the VA is Trump was one of I, – I mean, at least in my lifetime, he's the first candidate in my lifetime that has actually made it a priority of his campaign to speak on the fact that veterans were being mistreated and things like that in the VA – you don't well, man, hear you, a lot of you, that as far as. You, you, far you can't as find a candidate over
6: the last 50 years that didn't have the same platform talking for it. So you can look through everybody's program, you'll find that. That's nothing special about Well, I mean, it. the question yes, is will see, they do it?
5: Yes, I'll see then, veterans, but I don't necessarily see specific VA things being mentioned. Or, you know, he got very specific with the VA and how no. uh, he thought that they were mistreating veterans. Obviously, and yeah, he, you're right, because everybody wants that military vote. They're going to, you know, hey, I support the veterans, go troops, just like we were talking about earlier. And I believe it was you said, you know, you can slap a bumper sticker on your car and say, I support the troops. But what are you going to do about it?
0: Yeah, but that's another thing that when he was talking during his campaign, he said a lot of things about the VA. And he just recently, within the last 30 days, put an order out to close a thousand box. Throughout the United States That's going to affect rural communities All over the United States Where people can't even get basic health care Through the VA because he's closing These facilities That goes against everything that he said In his campaign He gives a shit for veterans When he does that
6: Yeah, it is what it is But I gotta run, man Uh, Thanks for letting me on I'm gonna have to check y'all out another time Absolutely.
5: definitely definitely you're always welcome on our show as well uh anybody that listens go ahead and feel free to call in 347-989-1171 but i believe uh we're getting ready to do our american idiot of the week i hope you guys are have your uh, american idiot of the week or in uh lisa's case dumb criminal of the week ready to go this week as we get ready to uh as we get ready to go ahead and do it and I believe Brad's still searching for his, so I'll go ahead and uh, do mine. I believe that my American Idiot of the Week will be the Carolina Panthers owner. Uh, Completely unacceptable, especially in the day and age where you just saw the L.A. Clippers owner within the last, I believe, three, four years lose his team for what you did. You'd think that would have been a wake-up call. Hey, maybe I need to change my ways. But, I mean, I don't know what it is about these guys, but they have some sort of disconnect. I mean, even earlier in the year, you heard stories about Jerry Jones and things like that. These guys still, for some odd reason, think that they can get away with it and they won't be found out. And I'm glad that they are being found out. And that's my American Idiot of the Week. Sean, do you have one ready?
0: Yes. My American Idiot of the Week is Senator Ted Cruz. For the mere fact that he went and attacked, on Twitter, Mark Hamill, the beloved star of Star Wars, who plays Luke Skywalker. And he couldn't even call the man by name. He called him by his character's name and attacked him because Mr. Mark Hamill dared to voice his opinion against net neutrality, the very subject of the show that we were talking about tonight. Um, Mark Hamill handed him his ass. It It was classic. Go to Twitter. Go to Mark Hamill's Twitter page. You can see everything. Go to Ted Cruz's page. I'm sure they've taken it down on his page, but yeah, it, it, it was a classic battle royale. It was it was awesome. So uh, definitely go check that out on the Twitter. Check out Mark Hamill's page and uh, Ted Cruz is my
1: idiot of the week. Well,
2: well Lisa, do you uh, do you have a dumb criminal of the week this week?
1: I certainly do, gentlemen. All right, this week's story comes to us from 2012, and it involves a young man by the name of Michael Baker in Jenkins, Kentucky. Uh, Baker is shown in a photograph taken by his girlfriend siphoning gas from a Jenkins Police Department cruiser, flipping the bird, and smiling in the police department parking lot. Mr. Baker then posted that picture to his Facebook page, sharing it with all of his 380 friends on Facebook in Jenkins, Kentucky. And not too long after that, the Jenkins police were knocking on his door. Not satisfied, Baker posted, LOL, I went to POO jail over Facebook. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the dumb criminal of the week. If you're going to commit a crime, don't photograph yourself, and don't post it on the Internet, people. Yes,
2: Michael, and for the love of God, choose a better alias when doing that. Um, Don't use your first name, moron. Well, I guess I was going to do an American Indian of the Week, but uh, I guess in accordance to what Lisa does, I'm going to start a Dumbest Laws in Every State. Um, and, Sean, this one really kind of hurts me to know that I am not allowed in Chico, California city limits anymore.
0: Why is that?
2: Well, because it is illegal to build and maintain or use a nuclear weapon. It's bullshit. <laughs> The law that began in the 80s as a serious anti-nuke statement has taken on a second life as an Internet joke, mainly due to the purported consequences. In addition to self-annihilation, the infraction also carries a $500 fine. That is bullshit. So I can't build a nuclear bomb unless I have $500 to pay for it, (laughs)
0: right?
2: Whatever. That is literally on the books. That literally is on the books, though. Why do we have, like... I mean, okay, so, you know, the 80s was, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a time. But what the hell, do you, you really needed that in 1980? Mm-hmm. Is that really a law that needed to be put well, on the Brad, board?
1: Brad, it's California. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, hold on. So, you know,
1: no offense to our, our caller from California, but it's California. <laughs>
2: wow
1: I mean, Sean,
2: really? Like I'm 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 trying to reason within myself where you would need to put on the books that you're not allowed to make a nuclear bomb.
0: Well, I was born there in seventy three. I haven't been back but a few times, but uh yeah, it is California. What can I say?
1: That <laughs> explains a lot, Sean.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Um But, like, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, we've got about 12 minutes. Our thoughts, and and obviously if you – you know, I know, Sean, you don't agree with the statement or whatever, but our thoughts and prayers go out to those affected in the Amtrak train derailment. Uh, Very, very, very serious situation happening at the moment. I think, Sean, uh, Michael, if you could look our latest up on that uh, as we get ready to go off the air. But, uh, um, you know, I – not to take away from what is going on in 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 that situation, okay, so now the what is it eight now is that what we're seeing, Michael? They are saying now, Sean, that it looks like they are raising the death count to eight. It's what i'm it looks to be. I may be wrong in that, but uh the current news feed that we're getting showing that there's at least. Looks to be eight confirmed fatalities within this Washington Amtrak train crash
0: and that is now, unfortunate to, to be yeah. fair, you know i I put my thoughts out there as well. I may not pray, but you know I feel bad for everybody that that has lost their lives or were injured in this you know situation um but people like don't, don't need to be thinking oh, how this needs to help their people either we should address that as well.
2: Now, you're looking at – here's a timeline of – I'm assuming that we go here at uh, – of course, Donald Trump taking his – 11.58, we have – 11.58 a.m. we had the fatalities confirmed in this. And obviously, uh, if you're listening out there, a family reunification center has been set up at Dewpoint City Hall. Uh, anyone with questions about friends or family who traveled on the D-Rail train should call 901-523-9101. That's 901-523-9101. I'm not even going to read that tweet because this is where I don't agree that that he should even speak about infrastructure or policy. He should be coming out addressing the families and supporting those who who have lost loved ones in this and or, have some injured ones i'm looking at these videos sean this is absolutely i mean the devastation that i'm seeing i'm seeing trains and and semi trucks and i mean good grief this is this is absolutely i mean i don't even know what to think about this sean well
0: it's horrific to say the least i mean you know how many people went to the amtrak station this morning and bought their ticket and Or had prepaid for the ticket, got on the train thinking everything is safe. I mean, that's what we all assume here in America. Mm -hmm. Nothing bad is going to happen to me. And then, you know, shit happens. It happens to everybody eventually. It's just a a numbers game. I hate it. I wish it didn't happen if we uh, spent more money, you know, taking care of uh, different types of uh, infrastructures. Maybe it wouldn't happen, but then again, maybe it would. I don't know.
2: And they're saying that according to according to the official released uh, statement, that at 7:33 Pacific time, a train 501 derailed with some cars leaving an overpass to Interstate 5. Uh, the train consisted of 14 cars, 12. Talgo passenger cars, and each containing 38 seats were serviced business class coach cars and bistro service and two locomotives. Uh, What does it appear, Sean, that this derailed off of an overpass onto a freeway? Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, that's what happened.
0: That's what it looks like.
2: Oh, man. I mean, this is one of those situations, too, Sean. You know, I mean, we go back and and you look at – you know, the airplane, what was it, 13, was it Malaysia, 13, 1380, that went missing. I mean, these types of incidents happen, unfortunately, happen way too often, more than they ever should. I mean, like you said, you go, you know, just like October, I flew to uh, Florida uh, to, to a training class for work. And, you know, that's in the back of your mind when you board the plane, Is like, you, you hope that everything goes great but you know unfortunately no. things happen and so it's the thoughts and, and everything out to these these the family and, and whatnot and hopefully uh the 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 death toll can stay where it's at. Uh you know, the loss of life in any situation is tragic to say the least. And so we at the yeah. American Idiots uh one of our heartfelt uh, sorrow goes out to the families affected by this and, and anyone affected by this for sure.
0: No, definitely. Uh, that's uh, an unfortunate series of uh, of events that happened there. Um, it just goes to show you how life is precious and that we should all live our life to the fullest as much as we can, because it can be over tomorrow. So, you know, our hearts go out to these people and we hope to families find closure and that they uh, get the answers that they need with what happened. Because right now, no No, one really knows what.
2: No, you're right, Sean. And, you know, the the sad part about all this, too, is that, you know, being it's the 18th of December, I wanted to mention to our guests that we are going to be off uh, the next two weeks uh, enjoying friends and family during the holiday season. And uh, we will be back the new year. Uh, Even better um than before we've set the bar pretty low minus lisa so
1: it's nowhere to go but up
2: yep. <laughs> i mean yeah i feel like if I, I, if I well i feel like if i file an executive order and fire michael we're like cnn level so just saying, <laughs> we may have to vote on that sean
0: I think we might have to, but, uh, you know, tonight's show is really interesting, talking about net neutrality and everything. Um, You know, you guys need to make a decision on whether you want to call your congressman, whether you want to go to sites like battleforthenet.com and uh, actually try to have your voice heard. Because, uh, you know, people like Michael that get their free porn on the Internet, that's not going to be available anymore. You're going to have to pay for it. So, uh, you know, if you want to see your porn for free, you better call your congressman.
2: He pays for sex
0: too, Sean. So <laughs> that's disgusting.
2: Yeah, it is disgusting. But uh, and I won't tell you where he goes. But I don't think Groomingdale's counts. Um you <laughs> don't know, um, oh, word, I don't mute. Sorry, uh, but anyways. Uh, I hope everyone out there enjoys the the holiday season, uh, depending on however you choose to celebrate it. Obviously, Christmas is coming up in about seven days. Uh, Michael, I don't know what you wish for Christmas, but hopefully you don't get it. Um, But anyways, like I said, I've had fun, Sean. It was great. Very informative show tonight. Obviously, our guest, uh, Jessica Gonzalez, the Deputy Director Deputy Director at uh, the Free Press You can go to www.battleforthenet.com You can hit us up on Facebook uh, Hit us up on Twitter We just had to do some server work So we're going to be putting up a a brand new audio selection of commercials Hopefully Michael's voice is not part of that Um, (laughs) Because we already had to endure your monologue this evening Which is quite boring But anyway so, Sean, I guess I'm going to give you the floor, and Lisa, you the floor, and y'all can say what you have to say, and we shall call right. this an evening here at the American Idiot Show.
0: Well, until, mm-hmm. uh, we, until we come back together in a couple of weeks, I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope that uh, you enjoy your time with your family and friends, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back then. And I
1: second that. I hope everyone has happy holiday season, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyce Quanta, whatever you believe, and be safe. Don't drink and drive. Call Uber, call Lyft, call a taxi, call a friend who doesn't drink, and stay safe, and we'll see you in two weeks. Well, absolutely.
2: And also, ladies and gentlemen, go to Facebook if you have any show ideas Or if you want a segment put out there, whatever it is, Talk Radio 49. um, You can go to Michael Carnahan's page. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to see on there. So don't have small children around. But anyway, it's been fun. It's been great. Enjoy your holiday season. Hit that music, Michael. Let's get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the American Idiots. We are the Mindfuck America. Your favorite lottery numbers are 12, 18, 2017, 8 p.m., 120 minutes. Good night, everybody.
4: Every day we rise